0: Welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Okay, friends, buckle up, buckle up. Every now and again, I get, I get, I'm usually pretty excited about Sunday morning, but sometimes I get really excited. This is one of those days. So I, if this goes halfway as interestingly as, it, as it's going to go in my head or as it is in my head, this is going to be great. Um, so if you don't have a Bible and you want one, there are some back here, just follow the black light. hey I always love saying that, black light. I mean, who's got a black light? Um, so, uh, uh, my name is Micah, I'm uh, one of the pastors at Awaken. We are in a series called Eat This Book, and, uh, is anybody doing the Eat This Book reading deal, by the way, you, you, you version? Yeah. Man, I tell you what, I usually... I'm, an, I'm not a very disciplined person, so like reading the Bible every day, um, I sort of, you know, in my rebellious college days, like, oh man, I'm going to just do my own thing and follow Jesus, which is cool, but it, you know, developed terrible habits in me, and I just, I'm not a very disciplined person, so I've really, really tried to stick with this thing, and I love, I love this, I'm having a great time reading the Bible, so if I could, if my enthusiasm might encourage any of you to try this, I think it's just, it might actually change something in you. Uh, it's great. It's great. It's a great story, too, man, and today is today is good. Um, so we're in week three, uh, four, excuse me, and um, here's the deal. Like, we're trying to do the Bible in about 40 weeks, uh, and we've started at the beginning, and we'll go towards the end. And in order to do that, you got to skip some really, really important things. And I was thinking about this morning, and I'm like, oh my gosh, we're going from Abraham to Joseph in one week. There is all kinds of material that we're skipping over. And so I thought about, what if I did something called the cutting room floor? So this is like speed version, all the things that got left on the cutting room floor. Are you ready? Pay attention, here we go. Abraham bears a son, his name's Isaac. You remember Abraham and Sarah, they get pregnant after a lot of, you know, a lot of work. Uh, it was a promise from the Lord. They had to keep trying, okay? So they get pregnant. They bear, they have a son named Isaac. Isaac marries a girl named Rebecca. Ironically enough, she has a hard time getting pregnant as well, so they had to work really hard. Um, Rebecca finally gets pregnant, and it's actually, ironically enough, she gets pregnant with twins. Now she goes to the temple and she receives this oracle prophecy deal that 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 says the younger or the older will serve the younger of the two twins. And yet, amidst the story, she's still found scheming and like pulling strings behind the scenes, trying to trick the father into blessing Jacob instead of. Uh, or excuse me um, Yeah Jacob instead of Esau So she's back there Pulling strings Jacob steals Esau's birthright And then steals his blessing Later on And of course Esau he's, he's mad as a hornet As he would be Because he got You know He got uh, the short end Of the stick in this deal So he wants to kill His brother Jacob So Jacob flees The, the scene You know Thanks to his mom Who's been working behind the scenes She says Go to my uncle Laban's house So Jacob flees the scene He goes out into the wilderness Where ironically enough As it often happens He meets with the Lord Has this amazing Experience. Surely the Lord's in this place, but I was not aware of it. He goes to Laban's house. He goes to this well and finds this gal named Rachel. She is smoking hot. Like He's like, wow, this is the one. I, I, any, what, what do I have to do to marry this girl? And Laban says, work for me for seven years. He's like, done, I'm on it. So he works for seven years. Now, this is an interesting story uh the after the seven years is over you're like yeah sure okay rachel's rachel's your gal like the 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 night of the wedding and here's my this is off the record by the way i think jacob was three sheets to the wind how in the world he gets tricked into like Consummating. consummating the marriage with leah and he doesn't know it's her he thinks it's rachel like how do you do that if you haven't had a couple right Off the record, that's Midrash. That's my own... I'm like, I don't know how this could have happened. But anyways, he gets tricked. He he consummates the marriage with Leah, thinking it's Rachel. He wakes up in the morning. He's like, what in the world? You tricked me. And he's... Anyway... So then he works another seven years to get the gal that he really, really loves. I mean, his heart is just like falling for this girl. Finally, he marries Rachel. Rachel and Leah bear him a number of sons. Leah bears him six. Rachel bears him two. And then two maidservants bear them each three. So you get the 12 sons of Jacob. And that, my friends, is where we get the 12 tribes of Israel. (gasps) And now turn to Genesis 37. We're going to talk about Joseph, who happens to be one of the sons of Jacob also known as Israel. He's got, well, he had one name and then it gets changed. That's an interesting study, by the way. All the people whose names get changed in the Bible, man, fascinating. Okay, so that's the cutting room floor. Now we get to to Joseph. Here's what I want to do this morning. I want to focus on three characters in this story. And um, just just by way, oh, who who gave me this? They're probably next door. Um, That's nice. Thank you. Uh, just so you we remember, we're going to frame this. We want always ha- we always want to ha- put this in the timeline because my hope is that as we go through this series, you'll actually be able to like put things in place when you read something in the Bible. So Genesis 1 and 2, of course, we have creation. We've talked about this. Genesis 3, we have the deception of Adam and Eve. Genesis 4 to 11 we talked about a couple weeks ago. This is what happens when humans go their own way. We get story after story after story. And then Genesis 12 shows up. And what we get here, this is grace and a guy named Abraham or Abram. God shows up. I'm going to bless you through. And uh, that's Genesis chapter 12. Then we get, of course, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These are the patriarchs, if you've ever heard that word before, patriarchs uh, of the scriptural story. And then we get from Jacob 12 sons, which actually turns out to be the nation of Israel. That makes sense. So that's where we are right now. Always want to frame it so you guys have some kind of a landscape here. Three people in the story of Jacob, uh, Joseph. Excuse me. It, it's actually the last, the last part of the book of Genesis, like chapters 37 to 50-ish uh, and beyond. Are there more than 50? I should, I should know that. No, is it 50? Is it end in 50? Somebody looked that up for me. 50. Thank you. It's 37 to 50. That's the story of Joseph. I want to look at three characters because I believe I think that these three characters just have something to say to us and something to teach if we have if we're, if we're listening. So the first guy is Israel. we're going to pick it up in verse 37 I'm sorry, verse three of chapter 37. So if you have your Bible's turn there, it says this: "Now Israel loved Joseph more than his other sons. Stop right there. Israel loved Joseph, So Jacob loved Joseph. The word that's used here, the word love is ahava. Now if you if you've been with us for any length of time, you should know that in Hebrew, the first usage of a word often pays big dividends. So if you find a word and you think it might be interesting, a good tactic might be go find where it's used first. I wanna suggest that Genesis is this on? If I lose are we losing this thing? You're you're good? Okay podcast not because you can't hear me but um so genesis i want to suggest that genesis 37 and the author is intentionally in conversation with two stories that you all should be very familiar with genesis 22 abraham and isaac and genesis 4 the story of cain and abel Uh, The first word, or the first usage of the word achava, which is love in Hebrew, is actually in Genesis 22, when God says to Abraham, take the boy, the one whom you love, and sacrifice him at Mount Moriah. So I think that the, the authors in conversation, certainly with Genesis 22, but then as well, Genesis 4, because what we have going on here in Genesis 22 with Abraham and Isaac, and now with Jacob and Joseph, is what does it mean to give your first and choicest to the Lord? This is, of course, the, the, the story of Cain and Abel as well. Cain and Abel, what does it mean to give your first and your choicest to God? And trust that God is in this, and trust that God will provide, take care of you, all of those things. So we have these two, uh, this, these two stories in the background of Genesis 37. What does it mean to give your first and choicest, and what does it mean to give the Son whom you love? So Israel loves Joseph. Now, I, I was wondering, you know, like, what is it about Joseph? I always got, I, I kind of like, why, why, this, why this kid? Why is he the one that, that Jacob loves? And as I studied this, it dawned on me. Joseph is one of two sons born to which wife? Rachel. Okay, rachel remember back in the cutting room floor rachel's the one that he really wanted to marry rachel was the one that captured his heart Rachel was the one that he worked seven years for and he actually worked 14 years for in order to marry So joseph and then another character who plays big dividends in this story his other brother any guesses benjamin, all right are the two sons of rachel so you stack this right joseph is is treated like the firstborn. Reuben's actually the firstborn, but in this story, Joseph is treated like the firstborn son of Jacob. You stack that on top of the coat that his dad makes for him, on top of the dreams that he interprets and tells his brothers essentially like, you're all gonna serve me. And it's no wonder you get verse four where he says, when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Um, the word kind, in our tra- well, we, we get translated kind, but any guesses, does anybody guess? This is great. What word is actually there in the Hebrew? It said that they couldn't speak a word of shalom. shalom. Ah, yes, this is so juicy. So it actually says his brothers hated him and they couldn't speak a word of peace to him. Genesis 4. We hear the voice of Cain, am I my brother's guard? Am I, to, am I to seek after the shalom of my brother? Is that my concern with the implicit notion that you know, Cain's answer is no, it's not. And God's answer is yes, it is. So we have this tension running right, right there on the surface. So his brothers, they hate him. They can't stand him. Uh, now skip down to verses 13 and 14. We're unpacking Jacob here, all right? Verse 13 says this, And Israel says to Joseph, As you know, your brothers are grazing near the flocks of Shechem. Come, same word we studied last week, when Abraham goes forth from his father's land, Halak, same word. uh, That'll pay dividends in this story. Halak, come, I'm going to send you to them. And Joseph's response, Very well, he replies. Now, Jacob, the father who loves his son, sends the son whom he loves to go see to his brothers and to see to their shalom. The word, uh, um, uh, yeah, so we talked about the word, uh, go and see to, let's see, where is that? I'm sorry. Go see if all is well in verse 14. He sends him and he says, go see if all is well. Again, same word that's used here. It's not all is well. It's go see to the shalom of your brothers. So he tells Joseph, the one whom he loves, Go to your brothers who hate you. A little bit later, we find a word that like unto death, they cannot stand this kid. Go see to uh, go the, the brothers who hate you and can't speak a word of shalom to him. And Joseph's response is very well in our text. We've, we've talked about this word before. It's a word that is just packed with meaning. Does anybody have a guess as to what word Joseph actually replies when he says very well? somebody got it tattooed on themselves actually a, a member at awaken the first time we ever talked about this they got a tattoo of it it's the word hineni uh and this word shows up all over the scriptures when moses is at the burning bush and god says moses moses where he replies here i am hineni when uh samuel is called in the night by the dream and he says here i am the word is hineni when um when Isaac and Abraham, in the story of Abraham and Isaac, uh, the word hinani shows up. And it ha- it's just this, it's this massive packed meaning. And it, it has this, this, this idea of like, here I am, all of me, like um, naked and unashamed. Like if you've got two people who are, uh, you know, wedding night and they're coming and con- consummating the marriage, this is a hinani kind of moment, right? It's like, here I am. So get this, Jacob, the father, sends the son who he loves into a situation where they hate him unto death, and Joseph's response to his father is, here I am, Hineni. And he sends him, by the way, he starts in uh, uh, Hebron and goes to Shechem, or the other way around. Uh, This is like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles he sends his son to go see to the Shalom of his brothers, I'm wondering what does it mean for you and for I to imagine to think about some of the situations that you walked in the door with today friends family members coworkers relatives brothers sisters where the situation is anything but shalom harmony peace Where the situation is everything but that kind of relationship that's true and real and honest. And I'm wondering what it means for you and for I to imagine we see in Jacob, at least at this point in the story, we see the heart of a father who sends his son whom he loves to seek peace. And I'm wondering what does it look like for you, for me, in those kinds of situations, to march maybe the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of relational miles, not knowing what's going to happen, knowing what's possible, right? Death, relationally, figuratively, metaphorically. But to respond to, to be people who, like Jacob, go seek to the shalom of their brother or their sister, amidst very, very difficult and trying situations. And if I've learned anything as a pastor of a dozen or so years, I have learned that when we gather, the range of human emotions that, 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 that there is are present. That there are people here this morning who walked in these doors with major, major relational strife, with major relational hurt we'll get to with Judah and with Joseph, and I want to ask the question, what does it mean for you as a person who follows Jesus or is at least exploring this way of following Jesus to be people who see to the shalom of our brother and our sister, our mother or our father, our co-worker, our friends, our neighbors, our relatives? It's not easy. It is not easy. I could tell story after story of times when I've had to do this or when I've been challenged to do this, sometimes when I've done it well, other times when I've said, you know what? fill in whatever expletive you want. Uh, I'm not doing it. So I've been there, I know. But I want to just put that forward as we read this story. Dude, it's right there in Jacob who sends the son whom he loves to see to the shalom of his brothers. Jacob, character one. Character two is this guy named Judah, one of his brothers. We find Judah first in this story. And in this story, Judah, this is all about transformation. Judah Uh, It's about the changing of a person's heart when we first find judah he's with his brothers And it's right after they decide to to like get rid of joseph like throw him in a well Let's leave him here then reuben the firstborn of course jumps in as any firstborn would and says hey Let's not do that. Let's not kill him Let's just throw him in the well so that at least he doesn't die on our watch right, you know (laughs) So loving this guy reuben. He's He's a good guy pick it up in verse 25 of chapter 37 He says this This is Reuben, right? Uh, I'm sorry, Judah. So they've decided they're going to throw him in the cistern. Uh, There's no water in there. And then they sit down to have their meal. They look up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Interesting that it's the Ishmaelites. We'll get to that. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh. They were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, halak, same word. Let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and lay not our hands on him. After all, after all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So Judah, after they throw him in a cistern, you know, well with no water, they sit down for lunch because that's what I do after I throw my brother in a well. <laughs> Um, he chimes in and he says, "Gang, listen, we don't gain anything if we throw him in the well, and then we have to cover it up and explain to our father, I got a better idea. let 's sell him to the Ishmaelites. at least that way we don 't kill him. there's no blood on our hands, and we get some money for snacks. You know what I mean? Hey, we got snacks now., well, you got to pick a fight now. We got snacks now." <laughs> That's from Goodwill hunting, in case you 're wondering. <laughs> interesting aside, interesting aside, the Ishmaelites. remember who Ishmael is? Okay, back to the cutting room, Abraham, Sarah, they don't believe God. He said, Sarah says, here, take Hagar, my maidservant, sleep with her. Maybe she'll give you a son and God will do the thing that God promises to do through her because it's not happening through me, even though we're trying. Ishmael is born, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and now the son of Jacob is being sold back to the Ishmaelites. Like you can't make this stuff up. It's like a soap opera. Oh, I never saw the Ishmaelites. I would have never seen that come in. So he's sold to the Ishmaelites, crazy stuff. Now, you gotta get into the story. You gotta try to get into the story here because here's what's happening. Judah, the brother of Joseph, imagine, like these are the most important, meaningful relationships in the ancient Near East we're talking blood brothers right patriarchal society the everything the the family resources the wealth the land it all goes through boys men brothers all right so blood brothers and Judah brokers the deal that sends his brother Joseph to his demise if not his death and Joseph, or Jude is the one who speaks up and says, let's not throw him in a cistern. Actually, let's sell him. So then we've got some money for snacks on the way home. It's like the most, the lowest, slimiest, like backstabbing, undercutting move that a brother could ever make. If any of you have a brother and, and imagine them doing this to you, it's like, dude, you're a dead man. Like when I find you, it is game over. I mean, this is big. Now, Here's the kicker, Judah. Okay, in Hebrew, the name of a person means everything. It, it's often totally connected to the story that's being told. I want to put something up on the screen behind me here. <laughs> this, this is called the Tetragrammaton. It means the four letters. And if any of you are wondering, I wonder if Tetris got onto that. I think that they did. All of them have four blocks, Okay. This is a tetragrammaton. It's Yod He Vahe. It's the word Yahweh. Judah's name has two parts to it. The l- one part of it is the latter half of this, and it's the commonly accepted abbreviated form of Yahweh. So Judah's name actually means let God be praised. And if you drop one of the letters, the D in Judah, what emerges is Yod He vahe. The name of God actually emerges out of Judah's name. It's like the author without taking a two by four and just wrapping you upside the head is taking a metaphorical two by four and wrapping you upside the head. The guy in the story who acts the least like Yahweh actually has the name of God in his his very name. (laughs) You can't make it up. You cannot make it up. Now, Skip to Genesis 44, and this is the latter half. Remember, this is a story about transformation. This is the last half of Judah in this story. We pick it up where they've... The, the brothers have been sent to Egypt, there's a famine, they, they, they meet Joseph, they don't recognize him, they're sent back to their father, and then they're coming back, and they're supposed to have Benjamin, because Joseph wants to see Benjamin. Jacob, the father, is like clinging to Benjamin, because he's the one thing he's got left from Rachel. He's like, my first son, he's gone, no way am I sending Benjamin back. And, and his brothers are like, listen, the guy in Egypt, we don't know who he is, but he says, if you don't bring your brother back, like you'd better not show up on my doorstep, because it's game over for you. So here's, what, here's uh, Judah responding to Joseph in verse uh, 30 of chapter 44. He says this, So now, if the boy is not with us, when I go back to your servant, my father, um, Joseph actually planted a cup in the bag of uh, Benjamin, because they bring him with and they're leaving, and then Joseph sends out his men, and he's like, hey, go find the silver cup, and whoever's got it, that that one's my slave, so he's trying to get Benjamin back, so Judah responds, he says, if the boy is not with us when I go back to my father, uh, if the boy is not with us when when I go back to your servant, my father, and if my father, whose life is closely bound up with the boy's life, sees that the boy isn't here, he will die, your servants will bring the gray the gray head of our father, down to the grave in sorrow. Your servant, me, Judah, guaranteed the boy's safety to my father. And I said, if I do not bring him back to you, I will bear the blame for you, my father, all of my life. Now then, verse 33, please let your servant, Judah, remain here as my Lord's slave in place of the boy and let him return with my brothers somehow in the midst of judah's life the guy who brokered the deal that sent joseph to egypt in the first place is now at a place where he is literally giving up his own life for the sake of his brothers shalom we have a bunch of values that we painted well we i say that's a proverbial we i didn't do it uh And one of them happens to be transformation. And here's why. We believe, I believe, that the God of this book, the God that's being told about in this story, is a God who has the capacity and the track record of transforming people's lives, of changing them, literally and figuratively, from the inside out. Maybe you're here today and you need to be renewed. Maybe you're here today and you need to be remade. Maybe you're here today and something in you is broken and you need God to fix it. And I guess I want to be the one to say that over and over and over and over again in this story, we find a God extending God's hand saying, trust me. Follow me. Turn around. Stop going in that direction. Trust me. And gang, this is what I meant last week. Belief on this one is not enough. It is not enough for you to sit there and go, yeah, I believe that. I I believe that's true. I believe that God wants to do that. I believe that God can do that. It gets us absolutely nowhere. What's required here is trust. Halak. What Abraham does in Terah, his father doesn't. He steps out. He jumps. And gang, I want to challenge you and I want to encourage you, I want to invite you. That if you're here today and you can relate to Judah you need something in you to be transformed. Maybe it's not the same thing. Maybe you didn't broker a deal to send your brother to Egypt. I hope that you didn't. <laughs> but whatever it is, can I just, like, raise this up and say, this is a story that highlights the fact that God, Yahweh, the God of this story, is a God who over and over and over again in the past and in, and in our present and possibly even right here, right now, today, extends God's hand and says, trust me, trust me, jump, walk, move, stop going in that direction, turn around, follow me, and offers transformation. So we have Jacob, who sends his son into, the, into a world that hates him for the shalom of his brothers. We have Judah, who's transformed from, from, a, from a guy who's the antithesis of Yahweh into somebody, somebody who's actually representing the likeness of God, giving up his own life for the sake of his brother. And then, of course, we have Joseph, verse uh, 4 of chapter 45. Joseph finally lets on to his brothers. He says, then Joseph says to his brothers, come close to me when they had done so. He says, I am your brother, Joseph, the one who you sold into Egypt. But now do not be distressed. Do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been a famine in the land, and for the next five years there will be no plowing or reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. And so then it was not you who sent me here, but God. Now there's a whole nother sermon about how God enters into our suffering. We're not going to do that today, but I want to just say this. Of all the people in the story, I think we often identify with Joseph the most, right? Who's been stabbed in the back? Who's been walked out on? Who's been figuratively left for dead? Who's been betrayed? We can all relate to that. But then there's this moment in the story where Joseph actually chooses. He has every right. When those brothers come to him, he is like the most powerful guy in all of Egypt. He is Pharaoh's right-hand man. He can do whatever he wants. And of anybody in the story, of anybody in the scriptures who has the right to say, you know what, off with your head Brother of mine who betrayed me sold me out left me for dead It's him He has every right From a human perspective and what does he say? How does he respond? Do you remember back back earlier when judas sold him out? What what did they do after they threw him in the well and they were determining his fate? They sat down and they ate a meal And where does joseph offer his brother's grace? around a table. He sits down and he prepares them a meal. And he offers them not judgment, not retribution, not retaliation, not everything that he has the right to offer them, but he chooses another way. He chooses grace. His brothers who could not speak a word of peace to him or about him, and Joseph responds with, Shalom, peace, grace. I wonder how many of us here this morning have somebody in our lives who would qualify as Joseph's brother, right? Somebody who stabbed us in the back, walked out on us, betrayed us, left us for dead. And as I read and as I, as I pondered and as I thought about this week, I started thinking, I wonder if this is a story about 12 brothers thousands of years ago. Or if somehow, in some mysterious in divine way this is a story that's about us it's a story that is breathing right now in this space i wonder if it's possible that like moses this is this is holy ground because god is present because yahweh is here and i wonder if this is bre- still breathing today breathing life Breathing, breathing truth about the human experience, that this is us, this is, this is how we, this is what we do. The purpose, part of the vocation, the calling of humanity is to see to the shalom of our brother, that we exist for one another, not for ourselves. And maybe today is for you an opportunity to respond. And so I guess I would just ask, will you allow the God of this story who spoke and who speaks to speak right now, right here? in this place we typically don't do altar calls that awaken uh, at least in the way that maybe many of us have experienced it in the past but I want to offer the possibility that some of you here are thinking about what does it mean to follow this Jesus that we talk about and who is this God that we speak of Um, Man, belief is not going to cut it Belief is, yeah, I, th- I believe that. I think that's true. I think that's possible. Trust is a whole nother deal. And I want to invite you to the latter. Find us online at www.awakeningcommunity.com or on Facebook at Awakening Community or on Twitter at Awakening Community. See you next time.